Footprints presents The Incredibles, a series where you meet ordinary but incredible individuals. Once my wife told me after a big fight that I wasn't working hard. Not hard enough, she said. That felt like a stab on my heart. Sharing my thoughts and the things I do with more people has always been one of my biggest drives. The more I stumbled, the better I knew what I was to excel at, and I felt posting about carbon neutrality was the source of my sense of fulfillment. My name is Wang Jun, and I'm from Sichuan Province in southwest China. I'm currently working in the top 500 enterprise as a dual carbon management advisor. What did Wang Jun experience as he stumbled in and out of the carbon sector? How has he overcome difficulties along the way? What exactly is it about carbon neutrality that's so attractive to him? To find out more, let's tune into this episode of Footprints and hear about how he has been investing all his efforts and career in a low-carbon future. Stay tuned. For many people, Wanjun is known for promoting public education on carbon neutrality, which has brought him a large fan base across China. Referring to a state of balance, carbon neutrality means the emitted carbon dioxide is counteracted by an equivalent amount of carbon savings contributed by renewable energy and energy efficiency projects. The term can be somewhat macroscopic and probably sounds unfamiliar to many when first heard. But on Wanjun's WeChat public account named Old One's Chatroom for Carbon Neutrality, one can find detailed explanations of what carbon neutrality means, as well as how it can be achieved. Browsing through his posts, you soon notice that this is where Wandering welcomes curious readers from all walks of life. Through public comments or private messages, he allows carbon-related questions to come into his mailbox without any restrictions. Within less than five years, Wanjing has built up this account brick by brick into a science promotion platform containing more than 300 posts. He even published a book in 2021 titled in Chinese or The Era of Carbon Neutrality in English, which later became one of the best-selling pieces in the field. According to Wang Jing, his achievements are closely connected with the nation's broader development goals in recent years. The president of the UN General Assembly opened the 75th session on Tuesday. In September 2020, Chinese President Xi Jinping announced at the 75th UN General Assembly that the People's Republic of China would aim to have carbon dioxide emissions peak before 2030 and achieve carbon neutrality before 2060. Wang Jing and people who share his aspirations were inspired and spurred on to take more action. 
就我们这一行，听到中国在二零二零年宣布碳中和目标以后。So in 2020, when we heard that our country had determined to join this quest, we were so surprised. Everybody was thrilled and happy. From 2012 to 2020, many countries realized the importance of achieving net zero carbon emissions, but didn't get down to it until the EU took the lead. According to our reckoning, it would be until maybe 2025 or even later for the whole world to move together towards this same goal. But the good news has arrived much earlier than we expected. China's newly announced dual carbon goal and Tan Zhonghe, or carbon neutrality, soon became trending words that attracted more interested glances. This had, in turn, pushed more people to take up more seriously the concept or tech jargon of climate change, which had already been in the background for a few decades. Beforehand. Especially for ordinary people, unusual weather or temperature phenomena were often perceived as temporary, occasional, or seasonal extreme conditions that wouldn't cause a massive impact on our lives. They were brushed aside by many as heaven's mischiefs. But for an environmentally conscious person like Wang Jing, they are symptoms that global warming is getting more frequent—a wake-up call to mankind. From our Mother Nature. After a week-long meeting of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, it's seen as the main scientific guide for government policymakers on how to implement the 2015 Paris Agreement. Climate change doesn't just severely impact the world's weather, environment, and the global economy, but also threatens global security, as the United Nations Security Council heard on Thursday. We're coping the best. Hurricane Michael is forecast to be the most destructive storm to hit the Florida Panhandle in a century. Remember, we can rebuild your house, but we cannot rebuild your life. Mobilized to fight a forest fire that broke out in the Inner Mongolia autonomous region in the north at around midday on Tuesday, authorities said, according to the regional forest fire. 以前是有这个冰川期，是也有这个热的时期，但是这个变化都是缓慢的。There had indeed been periods of warmer climate between glacial periods thousands of years ago, but those changes were naturally mild and adaptable too. Nowadays, however, we can tell from this year's heat wave hitting areas in south of Yangtze River that it would be unbearable if we were to allow temperatures to rise massively within such a short period of time. In Wang Jun's eyes, either the increasing frequency of hurricanes or the charred mountains and rainforests constitute far too many warnings to us humans. Without synergy between mankind and the nature, the chances of our survival are close to zero. Something needs to be done before it's too late. However, before anything could be done, Wang Jing also realized that, that action needed to be taken first to educate the masses about the urgency to come together and join efforts to fight for a greener future for all. Strictly speaking, carbon emissions do not belong to the category of environmental protection, since carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. The main reason why it has become an issue is that it causes the Earth's temperatures to rise. 
This concept is rather abstract, and maybe it's easier to perceive cutting emissions as a way to protect the environment, which is usually acceptable. But as long as my readers and listeners can tell a difference, I will always go further and specify that this term is all about global warming. I believe more and more people will be able to distinguish between pollutants and greenhouse gases, and thus recognize the importance of our dual carbon goal. According to Wang Jing, what he was ardently promoting would appeal to those who had previously worked in this field, or those who harbored a dream about China joining the low-carbon world. Out of their respect for him, some even nicknamed him Professor Wang. In the comments, they left after reading his posts and articles. Many have asked earnest questions and requested more knowledge-exchanging opportunities. Indeed, in their eyes, Wang Jun is the scholarly public educator who can continue talking about carbon for hours at a time. Behind his rimless glasses, he looks sharp and knowledgeable—an image which fits a public speaker and educator. However, deep down, only Wang Jun himself knows that he is not always that glamorous personality he has both intentionally and unintentionally built in the public. From time to time, he even wishes he could have switched roles in some tough public discussion or debate scenarios. Introversion is in my bones. Another phrase to describe that would be social phobia, I guess, since I would just naturally try to avoid any sort of socializing or communicating with other people. But working in the carbon sector means I'll be giving talks and lessons to company staff, or sometimes crowds of listeners. After a while, I think I've self-trained well enough to handle talks and chats whenever they are necessary. As if it was to prove what he said about himself, we saw a spark light up in his eyes when he heard the trigger word carbon. Sitting in the bright and spacious hotel lobby on the east side of central Beijing, we began our interview, detecting no microphone fear at all in him—a self-proclaimed introvert in real life. We were obviously navigating in his familiar waters, cruising through his comfort zone. I like doing sand table modeling exercises to help me foresee the logic of things as they happen. So when looking at climate change from a scientific angle, I reckon that it would become a global issue for all mankind to deal with in the 21st century. And as natural climate change disasters are becoming more frequent over the years, more attention will certainly be drawn to this issue. Pushing our industries to grow and adapt to the lower emission development strategy. Based on this background information, I knew the dual carbon field would be an innovative and promising profession. The future is bright. Wang Jun is confident, and this confidence comes from his capability in logical deduction. His sand table modeling exercises help him to predict uncertainties in the future, and he's even used it to foresee prospects for his own career. After every sand table exercise, Wandering comes up with a string of logic for him to plan the next phase of his career. It's interesting to see Wandering using sand table models to gain direction and guidance. 
but there must be more than logical deduction to explain how things turned out later in his life, the ups and downs, tours and detours, which eventually led him to his passion for carbon. It has become his only remaining source of interest, passion and fulfillment. Behind the sand tables are his aptitude and faith in data, logic and science. We have to admit, witnessing or having intuitive ideas come to fruition is irresistible for all of us mortal beings, including Wang Jing. Wang Jing says sometimes he dreams about being the hero who brings about victory in the cause he believes in. I hope to help in leading an industry and bring in new force to power it. Eventually, I want to be the one who accomplishes the mission or even turns the tide. It's a bit of personal heroism, I know. But for me, success means I can get meaningful things done and benefit all human beings. Dreaming about becoming a hero is one thing, but becoming one is another. The letter requires concrete deeds and the right direction of action. It is always easier said than done. According to Wang Jing, at the beginning of the social media era when he began his tryouts, his articles on initiating emission reduction projects in developing countries such as China were like stones being dropped into unfathomable water. They made no splashes. Nowadays, more than a decade has passed followed by great changes having taken place in policy implementation as well as industry restructuring in the field. However, even today, the idea of carbon neutrality remains largely shared amongst people with similar interests and professionals in the energy-related fields. The fact that Wanjin has become a lone wolf is not that he is a prophet of his own life or the chosen one. For him, it all began with a coincidence that occurred in his early years as a student. Wanjin acquired his master's degree in South Korea, majoring in rural tourism design. Back then, battling climate change had never appeared on his radar until one day he was recommended to see a documentary film. The clip's called An Inconvenient Truth. I guess you've probably heard of it. It's a documentary about global warming. I remember a professor sent it over and suggested that I check it out. It was before we were asked to pick a research direction. Subconsciously, I think the documentary made an impact on me and secretly steered my interests toward energy-related fields. Meanwhile, it is not a coincidence that upon graduation, as a native Chinese speaker, he was given a job in a carbon financing company. He was hired because the company needed a translator for its carbon offset projects in China. That was the year of 2007. Wang Jun took his first job in Seoul seriously, in front of piles and piles of government documents containing technical jargon, Wandering a green hand, refused to surrender. Something in his character would not allow him to give up. Day in and day out, he buried himself in the papers and dived deep into his work. 
When recalling those days, Wang Jing put on a relieved smile. He said he often stayed in the office until past midnight, carefully analyzing each document and trying his best to perform his job. Two years of effort paid off. After getting enough exposure and on-the-job training in knowledge and info related to greenhouse gas emissions and carbon management, Wang Jing learned all about carbon neutrality as well as how it can be achieved through the carbon emissions trade. By setting up an overall limit on the amount of emissions allowed at regional, national, and international levels, the emission trading mechanism requires a polluter with more emissions than their quota to purchase the right to emit more. According to Wang Jing, such a market mechanism could not only reduce greenhouse gases nationwide, but also bring additional social and technological improvements, especially in a developing country like China. China has taken over from the U.S. and becoming the world's largest carbon emitter since 2005. On the one hand, there's pressure to attend to this issue, and on the other, it's irrefutable for us to shoulder up the responsibilities and play our part in building a low-carbon future. With vision and responsibility, Wang Jing quit his job in South Korea and flew back home in 2009 to wait for China's domestic carbon trade market to blossom and create more business opportunities. And just as he had predicted, it did happen only sooner than he had expected. In the same year with Wang Jing's return to China, the United Nations Climate Change Conference, more commonly known as the Copenhagen Summit, was held in Denmark. Following the 2009 Copenhagen Summit, China decided to build its own carbon trade market. During that conference, the then-Chinese Premier Wen Jiabao pointed out a low-carbon path that China was to march towards in the years that followed. That was also when the term Tang or low-carbon in English, became popular among ordinary folks in China. And soon after that, the first few pilot carbon trade zones were built all across the country according to government policies. It started with Shenzhen Carbon Trade Market built in 2013 and was followed by several others based in Beijing, Shanghai, and Chongqing, etc. China now has eight of these local markets in all. Following the trend, better public participation was witnessed in the country as more and more people began to ride bicycles or take public transportation when commuting. Being sensitive to such changes, many ordinary netizens as well as companies within the energy sectors began to turn their attention to this rather strange yet not insignificant new terminology, carbon neutrality. This, in turn, further encouraged Wang Jing to publicize the idea and educate more people with what he has learned from previous work experiences. I 
that I wanted to write my first book, The Carbon Neutral Era, ever since 2009, but wasn't able to pull it off due to the lack of solid data on carbon neutrality, as the market was just coming back in the early 2000s. Plus, I was just no one, so perhaps writing a book back then would not have drawn much public attention to this field anyway. So instead, I moved my thoughts from blogs to WeChat public accounts, and have remained that way until this day. To launch his carbon career, Wang Jun started by co-running a carbon trade company with another partner in Guangzhou. Putting what he had learned from South Korea into practice in China, he recreated a similar business model and completed quite a few projects in the first few years after returning to China. However, when he went deeper and wanted to push his business in carbon further, the country was not there to follow his beat or strides of ambition. The pace of China's carbon control slowed down. That was the time when Wang Jing hit his thirties, and aged Chinese people believe that young people should establish a family and own a bread-earning job. To follow the teachings of ancient Chinese philosopher Confucius, Wang Jing was to establish a family of his own. He was lucky that the right girl appeared at the right time. It was in 2012 when my wife and I got married in Guangzhou. Our encounter began with a cute misunderstanding. When we first met, she heard I was doing carbon financing and thought I was a coal dealer. So our acquaintance began from my introduction of my work, one for which she also developed empathy and faith later as we got closer. This is the solid foundation of our bond. For a while, therefore, Wang Jing shifted his focus from work to his newly weaved nest, and even agreed to let go of his job in Guangzhou in order to be with his family. My wife and I are both from Sichuan Province, and when she suggested that we go back to our hometown to look after our parents, I simply went ahead and agreed. But at that time, I couldn't help feeling confused about what I could do for a living if I was to quit from the carbon trade market in Guangzhou. Meeting his better half turned him into a family man. Wang Jing could not immediately land on a carbon job, so he decided to shelve his ambition. Meanwhile, in comparison, his wife soon tapped the thriving local real estate industry. And had income arriving on time to pay their bills. The old teaching to establish at the age of thirty literally means to stand firmly on the ground with two legs, one family, and one career. Wang Jing was not content with just being a family man. He started to look for jobs that suited him. Out of a coincidence, a friend of mine told me that although there was no carbon trade market in Sichuan Province, carbon finance was still running by an Environment Exchange Bureau. He said, "Wang Jun compromised. It was certainly better than having no job at all." Now, as I look back on my choice, I think that experience was really helpful because it allowed me to view things from a national angle and thus see the bigger picture. During the three years working in the Sichuan United Environment Exchange, 
I spent almost half of the time working closely with the local government, designing projects and initiating documents on reducing carbon emission. According to Wang Jing, entering the Sichuan United Environment Exchange was his predestined fate. The job provided him with invaluable experiences, but unfortunately not enough cash to support his family, especially after a newborn baby was added to the expenditure book. At the same time, the institutional work started to wear out his passion, plus when his proposals were considered by the management as too innovative. He could no longer put up with chores in the office and regular hours in the routine. For a while, it became a nine-to-five job, where I was expected to be an ordinary worker without much room for imagination and creativity. I couldn't bear working like that for the rest of my life, so I left there. Around 2015 to 2016, lowering carbon emissions was not yet one of China's main focuses, as it is now, even after meetings were attended and documents signed. The growth of the domestic carbon sector was virtually stagnant. Wang Jing had to turn to other fields to look for means of living. Then for several times I tried running small businesses outside of the carbon sector to make some money. They all failed, and I found myself in a large debt after my final entrepreneurial tryout. It was really a difficult time. Although he said the reason that he failed was because of lack of interest and passion in fields other than carbon, the repeated failures have proved that he was not successful in turning himself into an entrepreneur. Wang Jin did confess that his carbon cause and ambition had never really left him during those difficult exploring years. And it is also worth mentioning that when Wang Jing was between job-seeking and content-creating, his wife, like most spouses caught in the same situation, voiced dissatisfaction over her family's income status and the inactiveness of her other half. Once my wife told me after a big fight that I wasn't working hard. Not hard enough, she said. That felt like a stab on my heart. But complaining is one thing, and trust is another. Unlike many other women, she hadn't wavered in her support for her husband. Wang Jun recalled those days when his wife was his backbone. But then, she paid back the majority of my debt in 2017 for me, because she believed we ought to weather the storm together. She supported my decisions and didn't give up on our marriage, even at its lowest moments. That difficult time, in turn, reignited my passion for the carbon sector. The more I stumbled, the better I knew what I was to excel at. And back then, I felt posting about the carbon neutrality was the source of my sense of fulfillment. So, for a month after my final business attempt failed in 2017, I shut myself at home, planning on where I should begin from. No more stumbles and detours, 
I had to stay settled for the sake of my family. Wang Jun's wife sees in her husband a lone wolf, who never says no, and he hadn't let her down. One more time, Wang Jun used the reverse gear to swerve around and pulled into the lane of public education on carbon. Writing articles on carbon was counseling then in the earlier days, proving. It was still what he wanted. From that moment until now, he has never faltered in his efforts as a carbon fighter. Currently, he serves as an advisor who calculates and manages carbon emissions for his company. He is now able to support his family with the income he earns from his beloved career. Finally, he can loudly proclaim himself to be truly established. There is a Chinese saying that a rainbow only emerges after a storm. After Wang Jun regained his confidence as a carbon promoter, China's emission trade market also saw another boost from 2015 to 2017. After signing the Paris Agreement in 2015, China announced that we were to establish our own national carbon trade market in the next few years. Trading in the local pilot zone markets were very active. Everybody was helpful for the future, and the morale was high. As an advisor for his company's dual carbon management section, Wang Jun witnessed more Chinese enterprises gradually begin to replace traditional energy consumption modules with cleaner energy projects to facilitate the country's commitment to cutting emissions. We usually start from calculating how much carbon dioxide is emitted in certain areas of the company. Then we'll figure out ways to manage. Each area has its own development approach, so we design paths tailored to the specific area in order to reach carbon neutrality as a whole. That becomes our main goal. Apart from attending to the management at work, Wang Jing goes on with his social media platform to promote knowledge and look for energy and inspiration to sustain his cause. Different from his previous posts, in addition to science, he has started to create short fiction and children's tales in order to attract and reach many more people from different backgrounds and age groups. As a happy, confident, and humorous man. At the end of the day, Wang Jing has not forgotten that he has a score to settle with his wife. To safeguard his position as a reliable and respectable man in the family, he often, in a light-hearted way, asks his wife whether she still considers him not hardworking enough. I mean, I totally understand why she might think that I wasn't working hard enough, but nowadays it's become a joke between us. One that I used to tease her, asking, "Hey, let's see how hardworking I am now, honey," and then we'll both laugh. Still as busy and hardworking as a bee, Wang Jing's social media influence has snowballed, drawing fans and peers with similar interests closer to him and him closer to the country's dual carbon goal. Though satisfied with what he has achieved in general, being proud to be the lone wolf, Wang Jing never wants to stay alone in the fight for a net zero emission future. According to him, calling up more like-minded members to join the pack 
is where he is aiming next. Sharing my thoughts and the things I do with more people has always been one of my biggest drives. And promoting the topic of carbon neutrality and climate change is, on the other hand, the most efficient way to bring in new forces to our profession. People interested in joining can literally learn everything about carbon here, so they'll be equipped when stepping into this battlefield. I guess that's the best gift I can prepare for the low-carbon future we aim to achieve. With that, we conclude this episode of Footprints. Thanks for listening. I'm Manling. If you are interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary but incredible people in China, follow us on Apple Podcasts. Just the key in Footprints and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We will see you next time. Bye for now.